0: Gets handcuffed. Am I into this? I can't (laughs) tell if I'm into this, but I don't get paid enough to fight back, so here we go.
1: And welcome back to the Bug in a Rug podcast. As always, my name is Caitlin. As usual, I'm Whitney. And we have a special guest. Jack. And tonight we are bringing you another episode that may or may not keep you up at night. Hopefully by the end of it we will all still be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug. But only time will tell. And now we're back. From, From out of space. To space.
0: I just came in to find you here with that said lock upon your face. I should have changed that stupid lock. I should have made you leave your key. If I'd known for just one second, you'd be back to bother me. Go oh, go on, now go.
1: No Walk way. out the no. door. You gonna get copyright strikes. <laughs> we are going to get sued. We're going to get
0: sued. No. No, no, no. You have to be oh, on hey, pitch. Hey, how wait. could
1: a pug sue us?
0: How? You'd have to be on. Wouldn't we have to be on Dude, pitch? Nobody on got team? that. I, it was very funny. That's <laughs> all the reason I know that song. From Men in Black. Wouldn't no. we have the to The pug be-
1: sings it. How could the They didn't get sue? copyright striped. That, they paid for it, probably. Did they?
0: <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. we have to be on pitch... I'm gonna make this joke again!
1: Wouldn't we have to be on pitch for them to sue us? We were. Actually, we sung it better, so technically we could sue them. Why, they should pay <laughs> us! <laughs> and anyway... We, and we plugged Men in Black. Anyway, we've done that many times. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you. To the Bug Podcast! <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Thank you for being patient with us. We have gone through some cosmetic changes, us as well as our social media sites. Just kidding. A lot of plastic <laughs> Um, But up top, you should visit all of our social media sites and our website. You can see how fabulous it looks and everybody can thank the one and only jack for that that's why he's guest starring and the only reason why he's guest starring today thanks jack visit our website bug you can visit us on twitter and instagram at bar podcast facebook's just bug a rug i think that's everything yep yep glad to be back um yeah and just so everybody knows we're coming back Literally just in time for someone's birthday. Yeah, yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's my birthday. Uh, when we will hopefully be uploading this. That's the plan. Happy birthday to me, myself, and I. And as a birthday present to me, myself, and I, it's, I have decided to write a story for you two. It's a group party. It's a gr- it's a group birthday.
0: You yourself and you me.
1: Doug Triplets. and Mr. Deal. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. So if you see Doug you or if you see Mr. At Deal. the
0: zoo. Oh,
1: I smell like the zebras. Mm-hmm. And you... Clean up their poop. Oh, yeah. oh there it is. <laughs> good. It was a good one. Thank you. Thank you, you. Thank you. I shall make a wish now <gasps> and I shall blow out the candle. Ah,
0: it's not nice to lie. <laughs> <laughs> no candles.
1: Um, thank you guys for joining me on this lovely day. That is my birthday. you welcome. Anything to say before I start the story?
0: New Zealand is closer to the state of uh, Georgia than the country of Georgia.
1: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I think... You
0: didn't say it had anything to do with <laughs> the story. It
1: didn't. It didn't. Anything at all. And you get one thought now that Jack had one thought. It's a lot of pressure. Okay, anyway.
0: <laughs> That's a lot of pressure.
1: As a birthday present to myself, I, I wrote a story about one of my favorite genres of true crime, if you would. Oh, I already know. What is it? Bank heist. It is? Well,
0: it is a heist. <laughs> it's a heist? It is a heist.
1: Is it a feisty heist? It is a feisty heisty. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to talk about the uh, Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. Have you heard of it besides what I've told you? Nope. <laughs> Have you heard of it? No.
0: Okay. I'm picturing Nicholas Cage is involved. No.
1: He so robbed a museum, archives. eh? Yeah. He robbed a museum? hmm In real life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: National archives. Mm-hmm based
1: on a true story. <laughs> Wait. This isn't that. This is not that. Stop confusing me. It's my birthday. Well, almost my birthday. It's my birthday. We're saying it's my birthday. <laughs> it's your birthday. <laughs> David Stewart made a fortune importing Irish linen and later through investments. As he was making his living, he met and married uh, Adelia Stewart, and the pair grew into a well-to-do family. The pair had Isabella Stewart in New York City on April 14, 1840. Isabella grew up in Manhattan, attending a private academy where she studied art, music, dance, French, and Italian until the age of 15. And that's all she studied. Just kidding. I think she had math in there at some point. Nope. Trying to make a joke. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. Italian
0: is equivalent to math. Yes.
1: You're right. How would I know? I don't know Italian. It's all Greek to me. It's all Greek. When she turned sixteen, the Stewart family moved to Paris, where Isabella was enrolled in a school for American girls. Yep. Wait, like the dolls? Yeah, and they made the doll. No, I no. Just I don't know. Right, American- it was like a boarding school for American
0: girl dolls. Are yeah. Oh, good. that's a thing. Yes, they
1: they're made in Paris. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> While living in Europe, Isabella's love for the arts grew even further. After attending a showing of Gian Giacomo Poldi Bazzoli's collection of Renaissance art in Milan in 1857, <laughs> she vowed to create a similar house for people to visit and enjoy if she were ever to inherit any money. Now, as I told you, this heist is the heist of the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. So she does inherit some money down the line. And we'll talk about that now. After finishing school, Isabella returned to New York in 1858 and almost immediately went to visit a former classmate that she became friends with while in Paris at her American girl boarding school where they did not make dolls. Julia Gardner invited Isabella to her wealthy family's home in Boston, where she introduced Isabella to her brother, John Lowell Jack Gardner Jr., Lol. <laughs> John and Isabella hit it off quickly and eventually married in Grace Church on April 10th, 1860. The pair then settled into a house in the fashionable Back Bay at 152 Beacon Street, a wedding gift from her father. I know nothing. When I say fashionable Back Bay, I'm quoting that right off the website because I have no idea what that means. It's a place in New York or Boston. Fashionable Back Bay? Yeah capitalized it's a place jack and isabella had a son born on june 18th 1863 whom died from pneumonia at just two years old shortly after her close friend and sister-in-law passed away causing isabella to fall into extreme depression on the advice of doctors jack took isabella back to paris in 1867 in order to travel throughout europe scandinavia and russia This seemed to improve Isabelle's health, so they continued to travel, eventually visiting Egypt and the Middle East, and then they actually also went to Asia. So they spent a lot of time traveling. Get her spirits back up.
0: She pulled a travel muscle.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Gotta stretch that out. Have you ever pulled a movie muscle?
0: (laughs) You know what we're talking about? There are certain people who... We've never talked about this before? We've never talked. We've never said the words. I've pulled a movie muscle in front of Jack.
1: Guaranteed. Really, Guaranteed. When I ran middle school in cross country, in soccer, and played. In it basketball. started in cross country though, because I think Taylor did it first. Mm. She a movie and he would jokingly say all the time, "Oh, I've pulled a movie muscle. I can't run yet. We got to go watch a movie, and that'll just like fix it, out. it mm-hmm. and then we can come back and run." ongoing
0: joke between Winnie and I apparently there are definitely other people that if I said I had pulled a movie muscle they would understand
1: I couldn't say who Natalie probably
0: it might be a much smaller circle of people than I had originally thought it's
1: just (laughs) us two the circle is actually a straight line (laughs) (laughs) and half the time that's broken who knows right (laughs) So while traveling, the couple discovered their love for foreign cultures and expanded their knowledge of art from around the world. So she had a background in art, loved Renaissance artwork um, from a very young age, and this kind of reinvigorated. Reinvigorated? Reinvigorated. Reinvigorated. Now, okay, you got it. There's no
0: yuh sound. Where am I saying a yuh? You said reinvigorated. What are you saying? Reinvigorated. You're saying Malcolm.
1: I'm, I'm saying, saying milk.
0: <laughs> oh, Dinah's saying,
1: meow, meow, She wants to join in. She's sure. saying milk. <laughs> Isabella kept elaborate journals of her many travels, writing about attending the reading of Charles Elliot Norton in 1878 at Harvard University, where he encouraged her to join the Dante Society, which is... They celebrate the works of Dante. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I googled a it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 She also documented their 1884 visit to the Palazzo Barbaro, a Venetian palace owned by Bostonians Daniel and Ariana Curtis. This palace was a meeting place for various painters, including John Singer, Sergeant James McNeil Whistler, Ralph Curtis, and Bernard Berenson. Not Berenstein. <laughs> Or Berenstain. The (laughs) Berenstain (laughs) Bears. These individuals and trips inspired her to begin collecting art. After inheriting $1.75 million from her father, she purchased her first big, big painting, The Concert, by Vermeer, which she won from a Paris auction house in 1892. Now, the people I mentioned previously, she started hanging out with a lot, and they actually started helping her like, find important pieces of artwork that were legit and help her get them, if that makes sense. Sure.
0: They were like her, um, like her getters. Yeah. Pickers. Yes.
1: Pickers. Yes.
0: Her American pickers. Her American pickers. Uh, yeah. Sure. Now, don't get me wrong. It wasn't all wins. There were a couple of boogers
1: in there. Oh. Maybe. I don't know. American pickers. I don't know a lot about (laughs) art. Get out of here. (laughs) So the first purchase of the concert by Vermeer quickly became many purchases as the gardeners began collecting heavily in the late 1890s. They rapidly built a world-class collection of paintings, sculptures, tapestries, photographs, silver, ceramics, manuscripts, and architectural elements. The Paris home became very cramped with their ever-growing collection, and they began... Talking about seriously opening their own museum. Two you questions. Are really considering this. Two questions. I have two answers.
0: What did her dad do again that he had so much money?
1: Um, it said he was an Irish linen importer, but then it just said other various investments. I think he was an, a businessman of the sorts. Could have been a part of the mob. Who's to say? Don't want to me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? Probably. Second
0: question. Mm-hmm. Nope, I've forgotten
1: the second <laughs> question. <laughs> okay, we'll continue on then. Oh, well, sculptural. What? Sculptures, tapestries, photographs, silver, ceramics, manuscripts, and architectural elements. That Are you one? hung up on Architectural archi- elements.
0: Architectural elements of.
1: Um, what does that mean? I don't. Doorways? Arches, yeah. Yeah, columns. honestly, I think so. I mean, they wanted... You have to think... She she was super inspired by Venetian palaces themselves. So it was... Probably columns. Right, like she wanted the whole building to feel like a Venetian palace. Like she wanted her home to feel that way. Mm-hmm. So I think it was doors, arches... Who knows? Candelabras, whatever. Bird baths. Yes, but I think it was like just the whole vibe in general. So anything you can put in your house, I think that's what she was going for. She's a warder. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. When Jack suddenly passed away from a stroke on December 29th, 1898, Isabella decided to go forth with their dream of opening a museum just six weeks later. Damn. She purchased land in the marshy Fenway area of Boston and hired architect Williard D- Willard T. Sears to build a museum modeled on the Renaissance palaces of Venice, heavily inspired by her friends that she would visit, you know, throughout mm-hmm. Europe. The museum was completed in 1901, having three, four, three floors dedicated to art and one floor to house Isabella. She lived on the fourth floor. Mm -hmm. The center of the building houses an outdoor garden with each room having its own theme kind of making the entire building an art piece itself. So the rooms are named different things like the Dutch room, the blue room, whatever. And I think it goes a lot with like the style of the room not necessarily the artwork that was put in them if that makes sense. So we do that. The living room, the the kitchen.
0: Not here. (laughs)
1: The green bathroom, bathroom, the pink
0: bathroom. That has not been pink for 50 years! You're right, it's true. What do you mean at Grandma's? The blue room, the toy room? That hasn't had toys for
1: 50 years! Oh my gosh. Okay, so the building was done in 1901. She installed her collection of art in 1902 and officially opened the museum to the public in 1903, asking that as time went on, the collection would essentially remain as it was, and if anything happened to the building or to the museum, that the collection of art would actually be shipped back to Paris and be auctioned off. So I think it was if... We can't keep this open for the public to be able to visit. I don't want it anymore. I don't want somebody to buy it and just live in it.
0: If I can't have this house, no one can. No one can. I mean, that's what she did. Yeah.
1: If something happens, break it up. Yeah. Break it up and sell it. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. Tear it apart. She didn't want that. Burn it down. She didn't want that. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't. No, she didn't. (laughs) No, she didn't. Isabella Stewart Gardner passed away on July 17th, 1924 at the age of 84. So she lived a long life. She would kind of change the museum here and there, but the whole idea, the whole aesthetic, most of the artwork stayed the same. Because you have to remember, she had a lot of famous, famous pieces of artwork. So why, like, she wouldn't really change it to begin with. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe different installations would change, but for the most part, the overall decor the would stay the same. So, she was an accomplished traveler and a shrewd collector, becoming a leading figure in American social and cultural life. She was an intimate patroness of many artists, writers, and musicians. She would actually have a lot of people come to the museum and throw, not parties, but like she'd have musicians come and like play music for a night, or she'd have, you know, Nights dedicated to different writers, different Mm. artists, things like that. So, a lot of people would come because it was, like, the thing to do. Sure. So, she left her museum, quote, for the education and enjoyment of the public forever. Now, the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum is known for its legacy and continued engagement with the public, but it is also known for something else. Isabella's hotspot. Yes. It's like a
0: hotspot. Everybody
1: shows up there and parties. And vape. <laughs> and
0: vapes. It was no. A vaping joint.
1: Maybe, maybe it is now. I don't know. No, it was known for being the victim of the single largest property theft in the world. Oh. Did we talk about this? Wow, a like stone much. wall tonight. Really? <laughs> Our grand reopening and there's no, no gasps. No audible... I went...
0: No, I went... Well, I'm not going to... Because I did that in my head, and then I just thought, did I tell you about if you steal a car, how you can steal a car?
1: Did you did tell you me tell about me how, how I, I... If I steal a car, how I would steal a
0: car? If you leave a note saying where the car is, then it's not technically grand theft. It's just...
1: A because, grand...
0: Because, like... Just grand displacement.
1: You, it's like... <laughs> just you, grand borrowing. You, t- you told him where it would be, so it's like... It's like some weird loophole. I don't sure. know. Yeah, but I mean, if anything happened to the car, it's destruction of property. The person could probably at least sue that's for different. you taking, stealing their gas. You stole their gas? No, 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 no. You still get in trouble. It's just not a felony anymore. I think it's. I don't know. It disregard. <laughs> <laughs> you have to look this up. You circle back to it. Write a story. We'll talk about it later. Don't look it up now. I see your eyeballs twitching. <laughs> We just got to the best part, and you're gonna Google how to steal a car without getting caught. No, I'm gonna ask the person you told me about. <laughs> Make
0: okay, sure it's well, like, private. Don't don't let the FBI. Yeah, so searching that. I think this person's parent also works for the FBI.
1: No, then. it's fine. He can get you out. So will about you now. Anyway, on the night of March 17th, 1990, St. Patrick's Day celebrations were in full swing. I'm excited for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything, probably, but I will wear green. Because if I work, it's my uniform.
0: And if you don't work, it's a good part of
1: your wardrobe. (laughs) Individuals were partying the night away in Boston while Rick Abbott, age 23, and Randy Heston. age 25 were on guard duty at the gardener museum abeth was a regular night watchman helping us hestand hestand h-e-s-t-a-n-d he stand hestand hestand
0: he stand we stand we all stand for For spaghetti
1: what (laughs) where'd you get spaghetti i don't know i don't know uh anyway it was heston's first night As a security officer, he was covering for the regular Night Watchman named Joe Mulvey. Mulvey? He's an older guy. He caught off work. Five Nights at Freddy's. They said he did it a lot because he was old and they were like, okay. Five Nights at Freddy's. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of. The rules were fairly simple as the museum security was not very complicated. One patrolman would walk the halls with a flashlight and a walkie-talkie while the other would sit at a security desk with a closed-circuit television showing live streams of the four cameras, four, In the that whole were, building? that were outside of the building. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a panel containing the signals to the 60 infrared motion detectors that were inside the building, and I think there was fire alarm... Some circuits close to there. What year is this? 1990. And there's only four cameras? Only four cameras. And there's only one single button that would alert the police if there was any trouble, and it was behind that desk. In the middle of the building. In the middle of
0: the building? Yeah, you gotta get to the center and hit the big button. (laughs) No,
1: no. So there were several security consultants who urged the board of trustees to upgrade their security, including getting insurance against theft because they didn't have that. Uh, They also said that they should pay their guards more because their guards were getting paid as a minimum wage. Um, They also said they should get cameras on the inside of the building and... Most of the other museums at the time had, like, a fail-safe, so the guards would call the local police, like, on the hour, every hour, and be like, yo, no one's robbing us right now, we're fine. So, that if they couldn't hit the button, right, but they didn't call at 1pm or 1am, the police would be like, we gotta go check it out because nobody called us to say that they weren't getting robbed, so we should assume that they're getting robbed. If you
0: haven't heard from me in an hour, I've been kidnapped. <laughs> I've been robbed. I've been <laughs> robbed.
1: I mean, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, you have to think they have famous pieces of artwork in their building. So you got to kind of you should
0: step up that security. Should step
1: up the security, but the board refused these changes on the grounds that they didn't have enough money kind of. It was an older building. I don't know. They were like, oh, it's never happened to us. We're fine. We this building's been here for 50 years! we, we haven't been robbed Actually, once! 90 years, hey? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's an old building. Update. You can do Grand Theft Auto, is if you steal a car without the intent to give it back. Deprivation of possession is when you deprive them of possessions, but you intend to give it back, so if you leave a note, it downgrades to deprivation of possession, and then you where
1: would you leave the note? Where you found the car?
0: Yeah, on the sidewalk.
1: <laughs> yeah, because that's gonna work. Okay? Under
0: wonder has to be seen because like it might blow away.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Where would you hammer
0: it to it? a tree? Anybody can say yeah, it. Where it I left a him tree.
1: a note must have bought. away.
0: <laughs> need car? Like the scalpers at outside big sports events. Oh there. my god!
1: So. You know who didn't need a car? These thieves. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Abbott was the first to patrol, beginning his rounds near 12 p.m. 12 p.m.? 12 a.m.? 12 a.m. On the morning of March 18, 1990. While walking through the building, fire alarms rang out in multiple rooms. Abbott searched for the cause but could not find any smoke or fire. He just assumed it was some type of malfunction, so he actually shut off the panel that controlled the fire alarms. allegedly or he just shut them off i don't know know if you turn them back on that's illegal now yeah i don't know
0: it's the 90s we've learned a lot about fire alarms on this show we
1: have we have
0: it's now time for us to do our regular safety briefing if you have not done a fire drill in the last six months please check your surroundings for the nearest exit may so maybe behind you. And it may be behind you. Review your fire safety plan with your household members. Change Create, change your batteries. Change your batteries and your smoke alarms and agree upon a safe meeting place outside the home.
1: The old lady's house across the street.
0: That sounds like an excellent idea. <laughs> now, again, for the millionth time, where's our fire ladder? I never That's remember. Uh <laughs> office closet. Excellent. Now, do the same thing with your own homes. Let's get back to your regularly regularly scheduled broadcast. Oh, <laughs> I just woke up from a
1: fever dream. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you have the same voice. That's so weird. <laughs> so Abbott turned off the fire alarms, which he probably shouldn't have done. Probably not. He then went to the side entrance of the museum to open and close the door. According to him, he did this to make sure that it was actually locked to make sure, like, nobody had just left it ajar. He then returned back to the security desk around 1 a.m., and then Hested took off on his patrol. So they patrolled every hour, like, they would switch off. Yeah. At 1.20 a.m., the buzzer at the side door of the museum that Abbott had opened previously rang, alerting Abbott to the presence of what looked like two police officers at the door. They stated over the intercom that they were investigating a disturbance and needed to be buzzed in. Abbott's, Abbott's, my God, Abbott was thinking that they were maybe somebody that was out celebrating St. Patrick's Day, called it in because they heard the fire alarms or there was a party like next door and somebody called it in because they were actually hearing the party and they got the wrong address. Not Whatever. They, they
0: hadn't checked in in enough time And that the police came like Because that seems like that happens pretty often What? Wait what? If they don't check in within so long then
1: the police call No they didn't have this Other museums did Oops you, Do I need to start over? You, <laughs> no, 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 no 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 No, no that, that was suggested Like They said all the other museums have this You should have it too And they were like no 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 no, no. We're fine Never been robbed Won't happen to us gotcha okay police came to the door said yo there's a disturbance call we gotta come in abbott said okay so he let them in which actually goes against protocol so even if it's police they're not supposed to go through this specific entrance they're supposed to go through like the main entrance so the officers walked in around 1 24 a.m they asked abbott if there were any other individuals in the building and he said yeah my partner Heston, and they asked him to radio Heston to come back to the security desk, so he did. The parapolice of officers then told Abbott, quote, Don't I know you? Don't I recognize you? I think there's a warrant out for your arrest. Can you step out from behind the desk? And he didn't want to get in trouble, so he did. As he stepped out from behind the desk, he was pushed up against the wall and handcuffed. Heston then entered a moment later and was also handcuffed, realizing they weren't frisked by officers and that one of the mustaches looked looked fake one of the mustaches that the police were wearing Abbott questioned the legitimacy of their arrests when Heston then asked why am I being arrested the police officer replied quote you're not being arrested this is a robbery don't give us any problems and you won't get hurt Heston then stated don't worry they don't pay me enough to get hurt
0: (laughs) Did he recount this to them later? And then I said to him, "Don't worry, they don't pay me <laughs> enough to get hurt. You believe me?" Yes. What?
1: Like, I listen. I yeah. You're getting paid what? What's? I don't know what minimum wage it was in 1990, but eight seventy-five. We'll say to watch over millions of dollars of worth of artwork. It's
0: probably. A lot less than eight—not a lot, but less than eight seventy-five. And you don't even have police calling you every hour to make sure you're <laughs> right. okay.
1: Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Maybe he was That's like, "Finally, saying.
0: they sent the police to make sure we're okay. We've been asking for this, <laughs> this <is> for years, <laughs> 50 years." Maybe it's like,
1: "Is this an undercover boss situation? They don't pay me enough. <laughs> I need to be paid more to make it worth it." Gets anyway. hey,
0: Gets handcuffed am I into this? I can't <laughs> tell if I'm into this, but I don't get paid enough to fight back, so here we go.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're at a bank, right, or a, you're a cashier and you get robbed, you're supposed to just give them whatever.
0: Yeah, give them exactly what they ask for, no yeah. more, no less. No more, no and less. Wait till they leave, and then
1: you hit the button. No hostages. No hostages. Mm-hmm. Abbott and Heston's hands, heads, and feet were then duct-taped. Interestingly, um, they duct-taped Around Abbot's entire head, there was, like, a piece running horizontally, covering his eyes and nose, while another piece ran vertically around his jaw, like, to the top of his head. It wasn't, like, super tight. Like, I think he could still, like, move his mouth, but there was, like, one... Maybe supposedly blindfolding him, but it wasn't quite directly on his eyes. And then another one, like, wrapped around. Like you, in old-timey movies, where they wrap around a cloth, where they put ice on their jaw. Mm-hmm. When you have a t- hurt tooth. That's kind of what it looked like. Maybe they thought he had a hurt tooth. Maybe. He had really long hair at the time. So, it must have been a bitch to get out. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that was probably nasty. So, they were then taken into the basement where they were tied to a steam pipe and workbench at around 1.35 a.m. At 1.48 a.m., the thieves begin moving throughout the museum. There is a...
0: How do we know this timeline?
1: There is a... That's what I'm getting to right now. The infrared motion detectors that are throughout the museum mm-hmm. actually print out movement, like, every minute that they see something. So, it'll say, you know, 1... 12.30 a.m., Somebody in the Dutch room. Well, that was clearly Abbott because he was making his rounds, right? Mm-hmm. So they're tracking their movements through the museum using this printout sheet. Interesting. That's printed out from the infrared motion sensors. So they tracked them entering the Dutch room, taking the storm on the Sea of Galilee by Rembrandt, a lady and gentleman in black by Rembrandt, a self-portrait etching by Rembrandt, landscape with obelisk by Flink. The concert by Vermeer, which, as we all recall, was the first painting she ever mm-hmm. uh, purchased. Well, I don't know if you two recall because I do, yeah. your memories are foggy at best. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, true. That part's true. <laughs> <laughs> they also took an ancient Chinese goo, gu, GU. It looks like a really small vase. The pair then entered the short gallery at 1.51 a.m., removing an exposed eagle atop a Napoleonic flagpole and five uh, Degas sketches. Now, it seemed like they tried to take the whole flag, but it was, like, screwed into, like, the ground or the wall or something, mm-hmm. and they some screws were taken out, and then it just, they think it was taking too long, so they just took the eagle on top instead. Hmm. Chez Tortoni by Manet was a work stolen from the Blue Room. However, there were not any movements caught in this room besides Abbott's earlier in the day. So they don't know how they got that. Hmm. But it was gone. So the paintings were cut from their frames, even though unscrewing the art pieces from the frames would have most likely been easier and quicker. mm mm-hmm. Um, the thieves checked on the guards after taking all the art removed video cassettes that recorded their entrance and proceeded to take the stolen artwork to their vehicle at 2.45pm there was also evidence that they tried to destroy the infrared motion sensor information but they got one copy but it made like a backup copy and so the backup copy was still there so they kind of tried to destroy the everything but they didn't get it all. 2.45am? yes.
0: okay Yes, you said PM, AM. I was like,
1: they took. that I wrote walk? PM for whatever reason. They did this in the middle of the like, afternoon. I'm actually, like they speak. all <laughs> broad daylight. They were right open. Breakfast, right, <laughs> right lunch. Right. So there were several individuals who were walking from party to party celebrating St. Patrick's Day who walked by quote unquote police officers in a blue hatchback parked outside the Gardner Museum. But no one really thought much of it at the time. I think they were, you know, drinking a little. You know, margaritas. And also, there's St. Patrick's Day celebrations all around, so they're like, oh, the police are just here to make sure nobody, you know, rubs the museum. exposure. Wait.
0: <laughs> make sure no one rubs the museum. Right, right,
1: right, right. The museum. They're and protecting it.
0: it. Protecting and they the museum. Margaritas, they were drinking shamrock shakes.
1: Which are not alcoholic. Yet. <laughs> you <can> put, alcohol <laughs> you can put alcohol in them. <laughs> you can put alcohol in anything, really. So the guards who arrived the following morning had to contact the director of security after trying and failing to get a hold of Abbott and Hestad, who were supposed to buzz them inside. So the only people that were supposed to go through that side entrance were security officers who were who would buzz in and then the other security officers would let them in inside. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. So the head of security came in um, and they had to go through the front. They had like, unlocked the doors. Once inside, the trio found the door to the security room broken, no guards, cameras that were moved, and empty frames in the hallway. They immediately called the real police. Thank goodness. How would they know? How would they know? So police were baffled by the heist. The whole ordeal lasted 81 minutes, with a total of 13 pieces of work being taken, estimated to be a total of $200 million at first, but later changed to a potential of $600 Mm -hmm. This was in part due to the concert by Vermeer because there are only 34 paintings attributed to Vermeer, making it potentially one of the most valuable items ever to be stolen, like, Ooh, ever, period. Certainly. Um, the Sea of Galilee was also the only water portrait that Rembrandt painted, Like, it was only water, landscape, Mm -hmm. portrait. Um, So that one was also very expensive. However, there were other paintings almost, if not more valuable, that were left behind. So they took, like, they said the, the eagle on the flag and, like, the Chinese goo were not expensive, like, at all. And one of the most expensive paintings um they didn't take Mm -hmm. but there were some paintings that they took off the wall like they were trying to steal but then they just left them there Hmm. so they don't know they don't know the police were like we don't understand what they were going for here i feel like they were sent in for a very specific list of items maybe but why take stuff that's not expensive just because you want to you know what i mean it's on the list yeah i guess i guess so the FBI took control of the investigation, but had little to go on. A confusing collection was stolen in a messy fashion, and Abbott and Hestad couldn't give destri- descriptions other than one of the men was, was a white male standing 5 feet 10 inches in his late 30s and wearing gold-framed glasses and a greasy mustache. The other man was a white male standing 6 feet tall with a heavier build. That was it. I mean, they did get all flustered being handcuffed and such. Yeah, but when you walk in, so there's, like, two doors, from what I understood, and you buzz them through the first door, and then you're, like, talking across the desk from them.
0: Mm-hmm. Suspicious. It was dark. Nighttime. <laughs> lights are off.
1: Inside? They turn all the lights off?
0: He said he was walking around with a flashlight. No,
1: he's at the security desk when this happened. Oh, I don't know. Pro- well, I mean, the lights in the museum were off, but at the security desk- maybe maybe so when it comes to art like this you can't just sell it publicly so kind of like you said was it a person with a specific list so who were the thieves where did they take the paintings we're gonna solve it no just kidding so the investigators thought that the heist had to have been an inside job like you said the thieves seemingly knew that the only button to alert the police of trouble was behind the security desk The guards were removed from this area, and when motion detector alarms went off during the heist, they did not run away because, potentially, they knew that no one was going to touch the button, so the alarms really didn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, secret doors that blended into walls had been opened, and the videotape evidence had been found and destroyed. So, this part's a little confusing because some police... They don't know who opened these secret doors, if it was during the heist or if it was when people initially got there and were kind of looking, panicking for, and looking yeah. for whatever, but the videotape evidence that was found and destroyed, they had to know where that was. You know, they tried to destroy also the motion detector information, yeah. which, I mean, I wouldn't have thought of, but I've also never, I guess, tried robbed to a museum. A mu- rob a museum, but you know, it's fine, it's fine. So was it an inside job, or was somebody just a big blabbermouth talking about all the security issues within the museum?
0: Which, they were seem disgruntled, so it's not like they wouldn't have.
1: Yeah, like who cares? If you're not an art lover, I guess, right? Like if you don't get it. They've never been robbed before. Uh, so Abeth was heavily questioned, having gone against several security protocols during the night. He was the only one recorded in the blue room on the night of the theft where the Chez Tortini by Monet had hung. He turned off the fire alarms during the night and he opened doors that the thieves came in just 15 minutes before they came and then he buzzed them in when he wasn't supposed to. Very suspicious. And he's not the new guy. No. It's the other dude. Yeah. Placing more suspicion on Abbott was his heated relationship with the head of security, and he allegedly had sent in his resignation letter uh, just a few days prior to the death. Heated. 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 Like hot. Steamy. Oh. Oh. Oh, no.
0: They were connected to that steam pole. Yeah. Pipe. There was steam.
1: I don't think this is connected in any way. They were connected to us. <laughs> they, they could have been connected at some point. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> that was entirely inappropriate. A few other a few other, interesting tidbits, I guess, that I didn't write down, but Abbott allegedly said that he would smoke weed and then come to work, but he was like, I didn't smoke that night, I promise. Police thought it might have been Abbott, right? Right? But there was no conclusive evidence to point towards him, just a lot of circumstantial evidence. I mean, he did go against protocol, but it later came out that he had buzzed the head of security in through the back doors and didn't get in trouble because it was the head of security. So it's kind of up in the air. The FBI also allegedly later stated that they didn't think Abbott was smart enough to commit the crime. So there's that. Hey. I'll take it. I'll take it. Right? Maybe he was hustling him the whole time. So, well, maybe that's that's actually very smart. So, so if Abbott was off the hook, who did it? Louis Royce had previously been arrested for threatening to throw a smoke bomb into the courtyard before swiping paintings, because the middle of the museum was like an outdoor yeah. courtyard. He was associated with the Rossetti gang, whom had who had been associated with bank thefts in the area prior to this one. So then they started thinking, well, did the mafia or the mob or these gangs know about the security, the lack of security? You know, did people get, were people talking and they heard it and just thought it was a good idea?
0: There's no way that they didn't know about it. Right. The mob knows
1: everything. That's true. That's true. So well, I'm going to go through some other suspects, some a part of the Rossetti gang and some not. Uh, the first one is a famous art thief in Massachusetts. His name is Miles Connor Jr. He had told individuals that stealing from the Gardner Museum was on his bucket list. He had stolen paintings before as like a collateral to get his other criminal charges reduced. So he basically stole art and then was like, well, I'm not going to give this back to you unless you take 25 years off my prison sentence. And it had worked. It worked.
0: Did he have charges against him at this time that he needed collateral for? Because that'd be really interesting.
1: So many cops immediately wanted to question him, but he was actually in jail at the time. So he himself could not have... Carved the roast beast. Wait he could not have he himself carved the, the wrist feast sure 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 it's been a while
0: it's been a while since we've been back I'm losing
1: it so Miles Connor Jr. was questioned even though he was in jail he was like yeah I got I got nothing guys sorry why would he send <laughs> someone else to steal a painting for him that's risky totally cause bad. if he has information about it they might reduce his sentence yeah why would you ever? You think I'm gonna trust somebody else to do a um, art heist? I mean, these guys weren't me? in gangs, though. Yeah, but if if I want it stolen, right? Yeah. But I'm gonna send you, cause then if you get caught, it's just hearsay that I made you do it. I guess. You're not. It's recorded now. Think. Wait. <laughs> wait.
0: <laughs> and now I have proof that you made me do it. Oh my gosh.
1: So several members of the Boston Mafia were thought to have been possibly involved for the same reason, like they got the idea from Miles Connor Jr. Like when it happened, word spread, they were like, hey, we could do this too. Police had actually been cracking down on the Mafia during this time, making like a ton of arrests. So it is possible that someone on their suspect list, like Carmelo Merlino, Vinnie Ferrara, Robert Garenti, Robert Gentile, David Turner, or Bobby Donati took some notes from Miles Conner Jr. in order to have a reduced sentence. So they were kind of all in the same gang, for the most part. So people were thinking, did they steal work to get, you know, people out of, their people or themselves out of jail? So most of these individuals had actually been under surveillance during the time because they... The police knew they were part of the mafia. They were trying to get everybody arrested, so they were just watching them, like, 24-7. So there were some sketchy things that happened that kind of pointed the finger at every single one of them, so we'll go through them right now. So Bobby Donati actually knew Miles Connor Jr. personally and had done heists with him before um he also had several visits with vinnie ferrara after vinnie ferrara was taken to jail so police thought that donati may have stolen the art from the Gardner museum in order to get ferrara out of jail early and he got the idea from miles connor jr because he had done heists with hmm. him before oh the webs wee wee web's suspicious i feel like we need a
0: bulletin board with some red string maybe it
1: might get to that yes <laughs> Go, keep going. So there were some individuals who allegedly saw Donati with Boston police uniforms before the heist, but before they could really connect him to anything, he was actually found murdered. So,
0: oh,
1: suspicion. Hey, well, tie up the loose ends, right? Suspicion then turned to Donati's close to fr- close friend Robert Garenti, who was a part of the previously mentioned Rossetti gang. These two are part of the gang. He actually worked for and was moving drugs for Carmelo Merlino at the time. Now, Guarenti's wife would claim after his death that she successfully convinced him to give artwork from the Gardner Museum to someone else. So she said he had it, and before he died, I told him to get rid of it, and he gave it to none other than Robert Gentile. However, there was a big case... A big bust on Gentile's home. They thought he was going to have the paintings. They did not find anything. Did they find anything else that they were looking for? Guns. Lots of guns. Gunas. So they put him in jail anyway. I think they were mad. Oh, yeah. That they didn't find anything. If you would have had art, we would have let it go. But guns? Nope. we got to stick something. So, other members of the Rossetti gang, including David Turner and Stephen Rossetti, were caught trying to rob the Loomis County House. Like earlier, they just robbed a bunch of stuff that was like hip at the time. So the police pointed fingers at these two individuals since they were connected to Merlino, who was connected to Garenti, who was connected to Donati, who was connected to Miles Connor Jr. No one would talk though. So they really, it was just pointing fingers at nothing.
0: You think you can get the gang to talk?
1: Yeah, right, right. It's a good laugh. Another man who worked for Carmelo Merlino, George restfelder reese was also a suspect his (laughs) sister-in-law claimed to have helped him hang one of the stolen artworks on his wall without realizing what it was until later he was in prison for murder and then they realized that he didn't do it he got let out him and his sister-in-law sister-in-law were hanging out because they were pretty good friends i guess at the time he was trying to get his new house in order he was like hey Stand back. Tell me if this painting's straight. And she's like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Whatever, whatever, whatever. He actually later overdosed and died. And then after the fact, she was like, You know what? That painting that used to be on his wall—it's one of those from the Gardner Museum. I Jesus. know it. But they couldn't find the painting. They never found it. So he ate it. Who knows? Place. He ate it. It was one of the smaller ones. So it is a possibility. A man named William Youngworth was suspected of selling stolen museum items, including those from the Gardner Museum, after finding them on Miles Connor Jr.'s property. So, Youngworth was supposed to be the property's caretaker while Miles Connor Jr. was in prison. And he allegedly was like, yo, I have these pieces. Um, and he was gonna get in trouble, like, for other criminal charges. And he was like, "I have these. Like, I can prove it." A certain news reporter, journalist, says swears up and down that he met with um, Youngworth in like a secluded area, and Youngworth showed him one of the paintings. Um, but penis. the FBI was like, "No, his paintings. No, his paintings.
0: Not his paintings." <laughs> Come to this secluded area (laughs) I'll show you my
1: artwork. It's It's just nudes. (laughs) i show you my nudes. I said it's penis, but that's (laughs) fine. So, um, he allegedly showed this reporter one of the missing pieces. The FBI said, yeah, but we don't believe that. The reporter then got paint chips from the painting, but it came back that it probably wasn't the real painting. And the reporter also said that he, that Young Worth had, had the painting rolled up and like unrolled it and he showed it to me and it looked just like the picture. Um, but experts on artwork were like, yeah, if he would have rolled that painting up, it would have probably ruined it.
0: Crumbled Yeah. A <laughs> so instances.
1: they're like, probably not. Probably not. So the FBI dismissed this information due to all these discrepancies. The Young Worth guy skipped town and nothing ever came of it. Didn't go after him so whitey bulger was a crime boss in boston who ran the winter hill gang he actually sent men to investigate what happened like at the heist, like when everything was going down, mm-hmm. because it was on his turf, and he was like, "Nobody messes with my turf." Somebody
0: did. Somebody went in there and robbed somebody else right. on your turf. Well, please, a nice old <laughs> lady's museum that she dreamed about her whole life with her husband, who had a stroke and died. Right, and a, you let it get robbed. You
1: let it get robbed. Right. So he said he sent his men over. Well, this seemed very suspicious to police officers. And some people think that Bulger was working for the Irish Republican Army. Um, the IRA had previously asked individuals and in gangs, supposedly, to give them art so they could raise money for um, guns. However, the evidence against Whitey Bulger giving artwork to the IRA was a guess. Someone just made it up. If they
0: want guns so bad, they should go to What's His Face's house.
1: Yeah. You're right. You're right, genteel. That's where all the guns were. So the only other individual that was really suspected was Brian McDevitt. He had tried to rob the Hyde Collection in Glen Falls, New York in 1981. I think another museum. Hmm. But uh, The two cases had similar M.O.s, but this says the fingerprints at the Gardner Museum didn't match. Nothing matched him. That was just, hey, this guy also robbed a museum like the other 17 people on our suspect list. Let's question him. But have they
0: talked to Nicholas Cage?
1: Have they talked to Nicholas Cage? Has he solved this yet? So the Isabella Stewart Garner Museum is still open to this day. You can visit and see the empty frames of the stolen pieces of artwork. They still hang on the walls because, remember, she said she didn't want it to change. Mm-hmm. So they thought that even though the artwork was gone, they should kind of keep it how it was. Um, leads have come and gone for years, but who orchestrated the largest property theft in it? History and where the art went is still unknown. People with information about the stolen artwork should contact Security Chief Amore at reward at garnermuseum.org. The museum is still, I think, offering a $10 million reward for anyone who provides information leading directly to the safe return of the stolen artworks. The problem is that artwork, as you recall, is worth $600 million. You
0: only go get 10
1: So some people think that even if any of these people the Rossetti gang knows about where the artwork was why would they turn it in for 10 million dollars when they probably sold it for 600 million dollars split you know what I mean they each got 100 million dollars versus 10 million like who would have yeah anyway still unknown to this day
0: unpopular opinion she said that if it changed they had to break it up and move it technically it changed I think they should have had to break it up and move it (laughs) technically it changed that's what those guys did. they broke it up and moved it yeah but I, they broke yeah. it and moved
1: it. Yeah, you're up. right. You're so the rest right. of it
0: has to be broken off and moved it, and then somebody they can buy it at just... an auction. I I generally was thinking this, that I th- you said it was a heist, and then you yeah. said that she said that. I think that somebody stole a couple pieces, yeah. not a lot, but just enough that they thought... Well, now they've broken this rule that she had. They have to break it up and move it so they'll take it to an auction and then we can actually buy some of it fair
1: and square. That's actually very smart. That's very smart. I don't know. You can uh, check out all of my, which it's not a lot, but you can check out all of my um, sources at our website, bugginarug.popping.com. You can also go there because we updated it and it looks very fancy fancy. I learned about this case because BuzzFeed Unsolved did a episode on this. Um, theirs is pretty interesting. Um, there is also a Netflix um, documentary. documentary called This is a Robbery, World's Biggest Art Heist. Um, it is... Okay. It's four episodes. I was texting Jack. I don't think it needed to be four episodes. Yeah, you but have five. Yes. They go into a little more background on the Rosetti gang because that's really where the FBI... They think they might not have it now, but these people, one of them or some of them had it at one time, basically. But all of them are dead, so it's... It. Yeah, um, but it's kind of interesting. It it interviews. It has interviews from some of the security guards at mm. the time, not Abbott or Hested, Hestend. But it um, interviews them, so it's kind of neat to hear their kind of side of it. It interviews the lady who was, like, the curator of the museum at the time. She Mm -hmm. got a lot of heat. (laughs) Um, It also interviews, you know, police, FBI investigators, the the journalist that supposedly... Well, I think people came down on her on the Board of Trustees because they realized how shit their security was. Oh, uh, yeah. They, you know she what I mean? definitely done something. Yeah. Which she I don't...
0: She would have been in charge of
1: that. Yeah. Or partly. I think the Board of Trustees her, her, would have had to... Yeah. They would have made the decision, but it would have came from her. Right, right. Um, it also interviews Jen Teel's, uh attorney, which he was probably my favorite person out of the whole thing. They also they show clips of him at when when the FBI went to um, raid his house, the guy's house. The attorney was actually there, and it has an old broadcast of him. I told you this yesterday. It's him, an old broadcast of him on the news. And they're like, "What are they doing? Like, what are they looking for?" And he's like, "Well, of course they're looking for the the artworks, but they're not going to find anything. I don't know what they're trying to do. They have two helicopters, three dogs, fifty FBI agents. They even got a ferret out there checking around." And I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Very funny. Very good. He was very mad because he was like, they're not going to find anything. You came to my client's house? They supposedly... You came here
0: on the day (laughs) of my (laughs) client's wedding.
1: (laughs) They also... um, So they were searching his house and he had a shed in the backyard. And they found, like, I don't know, under the floorboards or something, there was like a hole. So they took the attorney out back and they're like, we think the artwork's down there. And the attorney, like, present day, looks at the camera and he goes... The whatever piece of art was like a five by four painting. And he's like, the hole was like one foot by one foot. And they looked at me and thought that that painting was going to be in there. And he's like, no, they did find guns and some weed. But the artwork was not there. I was like, that's funny. Guns and weed fit into that hole. They also interview. So Gentile had his own. That's his attorney. The whole Rossetti gang actually had one other guy like one specific attorney who's interviewed and is hilarious i think i like the attorneys for some reason he was all of their attorneys like he was defense for every single one of them so he's probably involved as well. yeah well some of the other um like attorneys or you know police officers or whatever like yeah it's I don't remember his name. He's like, yeah, then we saw Bob again, because he's, of course, representing the Rossetti gang one more time. Like,
0: like fuck, Bob, come on, yeah. man. Yeah,
1: I mean, all these people went to jail for other reasons, don't get me wrong, but not for the heist. Maybe the police robbed. Maybe the police
0: actually robbed it so that they could come back blame the Rosetti gang and search their house for things and then put them in jail, jail. for other reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But they never returned the paintings?
0: No. Okay. That'd be far too suspicious.
1: Well, anyway, do you think this story will keep you up at night or do you think you guys will still be able to sleep as snug as Bug and Rug?
0: Only time will tell. <laughs> de-
1: <laughs> I think I'm
0: alright.
1: <laughs> Why? I kind of want to go know. there.
0: I kind of hope I have the paintings.
1: You kind of hope you just somehow they ended up in your family. Yeah. I mean. Doubt it. We did say they didn't. I kind of want to well, go. what would you if do with they... them? You'd have to sell them in the, on the black market. You know what I mean? I mean, I could. I mean, I'll take 10 million. That's tr- I guess if you turn them in. That's true. That's true. Where is this
0: at? Yeah. Boston?
1: Yeah. Let we'll go. Okay. I'm down. It's beautiful. It sounds like a. Without the paintings. So imagine with it with them.
0: Have they updated their security system? That's my actual question. I'm sure. I'm sure. If they
1: haven't. (laughs) Wink wink nudge nudge. On a nighttime (laughs) visit. What are you saying? This is recorded. Oh wait, I can edit it out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's a good story. I had not heard of this. I think that they went against that lady's wishes. I I think that by the paintings being stolen, it technically changed the exhibit, yeah. so therefore you have to break it all up and take it back to Paris. Oh my god, maybe this was Banksy's
1: first big hit? Big art statement. It was a statement piece.
0: Stealing the other art was a statement
1: piece. It's actually the art, he actually shredded it and made other portraits out of it. Can you imagine? (laughs) I think the U.S. US government stole these
0: paintings. They took them back to the mint... Yep. Shredded them down, mixed them in with the money
1: paper, and then printed money on them. <laughs> mixed them in with the money paper. Yeah. Some people think that somebody just stole them because they wanted them, and now they're, like, hanging in someone's house. They absolutely are. A big-time mafia person. Yeah. And when people
0: ask, oh my gosh, what is that? They're like, a replica. My
1: daughter painted this. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's a replica of the original. <laughs> well some of them are sketches too so it's not even not that the sketches are bad please don't get me wrong but i'm just saying it's not some of them are tiny uh, one guy allegedly uh the attorney who was uh, uh for a genteel genteel apparently was being questioned and questioned and questioned and he said oh yeah i saw that little tiny picture um donati's wife pulled it out of her bra the other day at a dinner party and showed me and then put it back in and the FBI went crazy and the attorney was like, I looked at him, I said, Please don't say that ever again. <laughs>
0: Wait, the client said that or it... and the and No the liar... client said that to
1: the FBI. <laughs> and the
0: lawyer was like, Shh, shh, sh- Yeah, shh 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 The lawyer was
1: like, I asked him if it was true, he said no. I said, Please don't do that ever again.
0: Please stop lying to the FBI. Just to get a just to get a rise out of them. You just They literally just went and asked that lady to empty out her bra. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We need to see all of your bras.
0: And then they they piss off the guy whose wife it is because they're
1: like, what'd you say to my girl? It's like postage stamp size. Actually, one of them keeps it. Don't boys who wear hats all the time put like the girlfriend's picture in the top of their hat or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Am I crazy or did I see that on TikTok? Anyway, maybe it's like that. They keep it in their hat or they've sewn it into like their nice suit jacket on the inside so it
0: scratches against their chest They're but they only always... they know about it it's a little secret scratchy
1: scratch <laughs> what what we need to go to bed <laughs> anyway welcome back everybody please start sending us your suggestions again I actually did get a suggestion by somebody already um so please send them again please let us know what you think about our new artwork only if you like it if you don't like it Change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then come talk Change to your me. mind and then come talk to us, and then we'll give you a sticker. Yeah, okay. Uh, once again, you can check out my resources at com. You can check out photos at our Instagram or Twitter at BIR Podcast. You can check out our pictures on Facebook, Bug in a Rug. Email us, BIR Podcast at gmod.com. Tell me happy birthday happy birthday not you personally to you. everybody just tell me happy birthday you
0: work not at right now you well, yes right now because it
1: is my birthday a zebra and you smell
0: like one too
1: everybody also get a hold of me and let me know what insurance you use <laughs> all right I guess we'll be signing off thanks um signing off I'm Kaylin. I'm Whitney chat
0: bye sleep tight